Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we love that little poem about the footprints in the sand that isn't in the Bible, but hate the words that come out of our Lord's own mouth today, which probably says something about us. See, a woman begs through tears that Jesus would help her daughter, her demon-possessed daughter. Remember Jesus, the guy who says, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them. That Jesus, the, the Jesus who said he came to destroy the power of the demons. She begs him through tears and he ignores her. But she keeps at it. She begs, she cries, that desperate kind of crying where the tears all snot up on you. And finally, he answers a prayer. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, that means no. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Nobody really makes posters of that copied over a beach in like a fancy italic font to hang on the wall for when we're having a bad day. That's weird, right? It's in the Bible. But I've never seen anybody with that particular Bible verse hung up anywhere. We want the footprints. See, we come up with those poems to make God more accessible. Where were you, O Lord, when everything was falling apart and I only saw one set of footprints on the beach? Oh, that's when I was carrying you. It's accessible on purpose, easy, on purpose, cute, on purpose. This is hard on purpose. A Canaanite woman crawled up to her Lord and through tears asked, where were you, O Lord, when I saw only one set of footprints? And he answered her, you just can't see the two sets of footprints because I was busy kicking you while you were down. Where were you, O Lord, when the floods came, when the water destroyed? Religion is hard, at least real religion. I watched Helpless this week. Couldn't concentrate to write. I just kept refreshing social media feeds, watching one horrific picture after another, one person's loss after another. I couldn't even go visit mine until the next day. I just had to watch property get destroyed and scared people desperately talk about prayers for Nebraska, but of all the pictures that I looked at that day, I didn't see any footprints. Just floods. And when God is quiet, and he doesn't answer the way we want, that's usually when we figure it's our job to make up an answer, to make sure that he doesn't look bad. That's where the footprints poem came from. Some poor soul was so distraught and couldn't find God for the life of them in their worst days that they had to make up an answer to excuse why he would not help them. We try to make religion easier to stomach. But honestly, it seems like Christians try harder to keep Jesus safe from disaster than he does to keep us from it. And I'm just not sure that the Jesus who leaves us these words today would have us make excuses for him. I'm just not sure that God actually wants religion, true faith, 
to be that easy. I think it's supposed to be hard. Not as a reward for the truly stubborn or the intentionally ignorant. It's just reality. If faith is going to endure in this world with all that is wrong down here, it can't be soft. It can't just be cute. If it is actually going to have an answer for everything that goes wrong, I don't know. But I'll tell you, the decline in religion in America matches up with us trying to make it so inoffensive that it doesn't actually mean anything anymore, so that it would be cute and easy. But if all you want is a generic inspirational quote that sounds wonderful but doesn't actually help with anything or answer anything or fix anything, you can get those off the internet for free. It costs a lot of money to keep a church going. On Sunday morning, that's waffle time to a lot of people. I understand why the Footprints poem is so popular. But I also understand why so many people would read it and never want anything to do with God outside of it. Cute little slogan is fine, but look around this week. I mean, honestly, we need more than a feel-good slogan for this stuff. Some of it is not your fault. That's fine. Those floods were not your fault. Those demons and that lady's little girl, not her fault. But we still need help with it. And some of it is your fault. You can start with the desire to make God into a vending machine. Because faith is not supposed to be a vending machine. Put in prayers, push the right button, and get out whatever you want. See, faith is actually love and trust in God. But if faith is nothing more than a vending machine to a person, well, like, who goes to a vending machine to be near the machine itself? We want what's inside of it and nothing more. Once we get our chips, we're gone. Be the God who gives me everything I want so I don't have to deal with you anymore. And if you won't do that, at least give me a way of understanding everything so that even when it doesn't look like you're doing what I want, I can see some imaginary set of footprints somewhere that show me that you are still actually doing everything I want even if I just didn't see it at the time. True prayer is hard. Our problems are hard. And lying about it doesn't help. Because God is not a vending machine. It's not say a certain amount of prayers with a certain amount of other people and get what you want. It is not a set of footprints that excuse God for letting you suffer by showing you that really he was doing what you wanted him to the whole time, you just couldn't see it at the time. Faith is holding on to God's promise to be merciful and good, no matter what things look like. And that's more than just a set of footprints. When the world looks like this, when the water gets this deep, that kind of Grip has to come from outside of you. That kind of knowledge about God can't just be your insistence. It's got to come from the Spirit. It's got to be revealed in God's Word. It has to come from looking to the fact that there is more going on than this particular moment by remembering God's identity as He has shown it through His Word. We need this because in the middle of pain, the whole universe contracts. In the middle of pain, all of time contracts. I will stub my toe on the coffee table, and all of time and space unifies around this particular moment where my foot hurts and I hate the coffee table, and I cannot for the life of me see anything else. And in our pain and in our suffering, we would forget that there is a God who has acted in the past. We would forget anything other than our pain and our hatred of this particular moment. And if that is the wholeness to go on God, you can make up all the slogans you want, but they will not actually comfort anyone. So we need more. We need to remember. It's the name of this week 
in Lent, reminiscery. It's fancy Latin, just comes from the first word of this psalm, but it means remember. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old, not just him to remember me, but for you, to remember what kind of God you actually do have. Remember outside of that one particular moment where you stubbed your toe and everything seems very, very small. Remember the whole picture of who your God is. Think back, because we will not estimate God according to our feelings at any given moment, but strictly according to his word. Look at who your God is. Look at what he has done. Look at why he has come into this world to sit before a Canaanite woman. He has come into this world not to be apart from suffering, but to dive headlong into it. He has come into this world not to stand back from every last tragedy that would overwhelm us, but to bear them, suffer them, and their pain, and their misery, and their death upon the cross. It didn't matter whose fault it was. Jesus bore it all and said it is his fault, and he suffered, and he bled, and he died to save you. This is the mercy that your God displays. This is who your God is. Yours is the God of mercy who bleeds and dies to trade his life for yours, that you would be kept safe and alive. This is what our God would do, and this is what our God would say. When you look at God according to everything that he has done, and said, he is a lot less quiet in your day of trouble so that you don't have to make up some stupid poem. We won't ignore what we see now. We will see the past along with it. And we will assume that the very same God who is merciful then is working now, even if we can't figure it out. And honestly, even if we hate what's going on at the time. That's my real dig with the poem. All it wants to talk about is right now. And it has nothing more than our insistence upon it. There is a God who has displayed mercy long before you came into this world, pours it out now and will keep giving it. You want to know if God is merciful. Don't just insist that he is, hear that he is, see that he is, know that he is. Because there will be times in your life where it doesn't look that way. And probably the best thing in the world we can do is tell the truth about it. Because he knows what you think anyway. So find God who is merciful at all times. And only then, only then can we put ourselves and what we really think, even if we won't actually say it out loud, aside. All the reasons we figure God should give us what we want. Lord, why did this happen to me? I prayed. Lord, why was it my stuff? I'm a good person. I give to charity. Lord, I figured you'd be different than what I'm seeing right now. More like, you know what I want you to be. Show me how you were there all along doing exactly what I would figure you would do. I just didn't see it yet. Show me some footprints. There are no footprints. There is only Jesus who sat in front of a woman who wept. But honestly, it never really bothered her. It bothers us. See, God always seems at his very most off-putting when we're dealing with him based on who we are instead of who he is. God will be the most offensive when we want to deal with him based on our identity instead of his. This is where the faith of this woman comes to light. She doesn't care who she is. She cares who he is. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she says, fine, I know who you are. You are the son of David. You are the mercy God. It doesn't matter who she is. It matters who he is. Little dog, fine. If Christ helps the least of these, that's her too. If you really want this to be because you've earned it and God won't listen that way, it's going to be a bad day. But if you remember who your God is, that is something that endures. She remembers who the son of David is. Lord, this is just who you are. Mercy has to follow. Not because I want it, not because I've earned it, 
It's just who you are. Start with who your God is. Our Father, who art in heaven, who wants us to pray to him as dear children ask their dear Father, who loves us as a father loves his child. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Your God is not silent. He is not so far away as you think. He has already spoken. It is finished. This right here, this disaster, this tragedy, this bad day, it was answered right there. And it is finished. In truth, in truth, God has already answered. And while it seems like a no in this particular moment, it's not. It's just a call to remember. There is more going on than just this. There is more to know about God than that you stubbed your toe on the coffee table. Focus on who your God is and what he has already said. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. What he has, it's finished. Those feet that crushed the head of the serpent who deceived, even as a nail drove through them. That mercy that we need. It's not always going to be found in what you want. But if God is so good to be in this world for that woman, well, that's why she has someone to cry to in the first place. Why was God sitting at that table when that woman crawled into the room? He came into this world to die for her, for you. We do not pray to a faraway God. We do not pray to a drop of parachute from heaven God. We pray to an incarnate God, a God who comes to us to bear our problems with us and for us upon the cross. That you can pray at all means God is close enough to hear. He hears promises, but he wants you to remember who he is. There, the Spirit makes the faith that holds on, even when everything outside of ourselves and even our inward insistence would fall apart. Here, we can recognize something deeper than our ability to hold on to something. God puts himself right there for you to hold on to. He creates the faith that will not let go, and he clings to you, even as you hold him. He has united you to him in the waters of your baptism, that he would drag you all the way through his cross, through his tomb, and back out the other side alive and well, because yours is the merciful God that has conquered death. So when the rains come, Floods are here, and you cannot find footprints right now. That's okay. There is still Jesus. He's still right there. He's still right here. And he's still for you. Remember who your God is, and find peace. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.